Hey, it's Saxon from Money for Nothing, and you're listening to our first ever bonus interview. 2021, we'll be dropping additional interviews and conversations between Sam and I around all things music and capitalism. And if you'd like to hear our bonus content, be sure to just sign up for our new newsletter by going to moneyfornothing.substack.com. That's money, the number four, nothing. So today, you'll be hearing my interview with Stephen Thomas Earlwine. A few episodes ago, Sam and I did a show on the life and death of Greatest Hits albums, and in doing so, we read a lot of reviews, and particularly ones by Earlwine, who was writing them while working for All Music. Uh, Earlwine also wrote a great article lamenting the loss of Greatest Hits albums uh, a couple years ago for Pitchfork. And so while we weren't able to get him on that episode in time for when it needed to drop, I still wanted to chat with him. I'm a big fan of Earl Wine's writing, and if I'm being honest, he probably had more to do shaping my early musical knowledge and my musical tastes, probably, more than anyone else writing in music right now. Uh, I was a big fan of all music uh, when I was younger, just trying to orient myself historically when delving into various scenes and eras and bands and artists from the past 60 years. So even though we weren't able to get him on that show, I was still definitely eager to talk to him about Greatest Hits albums how they were a massive cash cow for the record companies, uh, reselling music they already paid for back to you, but uh, also how they kind of helped crystallize artists' careers and a whole lot more. So with all that being said, here's our interview. And once again, if you like this extra content, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Enjoy. I I just kind of want to start with some of your work at All Music and particularly one thing that Sam and I wanted to ask was how the hell did you get every music reviewer's dream job there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, to, it, it helped to be in at the ground floor uh, because it uh, all music uh, started as a book project by my uncle in uh, 1991, uh, okay. which is a long, long time ago now. And he basically was, uh, putting together something to counteract uh, the Rolling Stone record guide and other parts of rock press. Cause, uh, because if you ever open up the blue edition of the Rolling Stone record guide, you could go to, the, say, the Carpenters, and there would just be a bunch of one and two star reviews. And so it was, the idea was to have um, a guide that would take the artist's body of work in context of the artist itself and say that, okay, th- this is a good Carpenter's album. This is where, where to start, etc. And, and, you know, greatest hits actually came into the conversation quite a, quite a lot, but I started uh, doing that uh, as I was a freshman in college and over every break, whether it was like spring break, summer, I, I just worked like 80, 90 hours a week on it and have been there as, you know, staff's changed and ownership's changed. And so uh, the, what you see on all music, which is still, uh, you know, up and running, but it also gets the database, which is now owned by right. Xperi, uh, gets licensed out throughout the internet. Uh, you know, that's draws upon work that myself, my staff, and a bunch of freelancers have done over the course of, now 30 years which is really when i say it out loud it's really kind of <laughs> ridiculous but no i mean i i absolutely love it and like i i think i i don't know if i mentioned this in my email but i think that i mean you know by osmosis or inadvertently you've probably shaped 
my musical taste more than like anything else at least all music has but i i mean i feel like every time i'd read a review or go in search of an artist and their discography like your name would pop up so (laughs) i think it definitely has this like lasting influence that's incredibly generous and kind and it, it that makes me happy to hear because usually like when we've been doing this it's you don't know who's reading it or or if anyone's reading it which is I think a good thing in terms of writing because you can just get it, get it out there and eventually it'll hopefully find its audience, which it appears that as it has. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, yeah. So just so diving in a little bit more into this and like, I'll definitely like get into the greatest hit stuff, but just sort of getting like a little bit of a background, you know, like all, sure. all and cause I think it's all related. All music's like focus, like seems to me to be very much built, you know, like for the record collector, music geek, the historian, the archivist, and just how it's like very detailed about release dates and like players and producers and everything. And in that sense, I feel like it's, you know, it's, it's extremely valuable to a lot of people, particularly in like understanding the history of, you know, popular American music and beyond. But like in the shadow of our sort of current streaming era, era like living among like the Spotify's of the world, uh, I feel like it kind of holds a very different kind of value that the revenue streams tend to flow uh, away from <laughs> uh, because it's essentially mm-hmm. like a history archivist project and not really, you know, centered around pop profit necessarily. And it's also different than like a pitchfork, which I feel like, you know, has, a, it has a review archive, but operates from like more like a magazine. So I guess I'm like considering all this, I, you know, I'm kind of curious about your opinion of like all music's place in like the music ecosystem right now, because I feel like a lot of things, that it holds value to or start or those conversations are starting to sort of arise. It's, it's weird because I think that uh, the database that started as all music and is, uh, you know, it, the database is a living thing and it also falls outside of any conventional, uh, you know, journalist, uh, journalistic uh, yeah, presets, yeah, yeah. I guess. Like, the, the, fact, the fact that you, Pitchfork's an interesting comparison because Pitchfork is very much, as you said, a magazine-style thing where it's about things that are happening at the moment. They'll also do archival pieces, but it's also, you know, meant to be features that are consumed that day and then have some sort of legacy in terms of, uh, like, look, looking back... F- sometime in the future it's not necessarily designed to be a historical project more as like it is the snapshot of the moment and i think there that's right that's great that's what journalism is supposed to be is like the you know the cliche of being the first draft of history but that's also why we need music journalism and you can't just rely on algorithms or recommendations because we need to have somebody that tries to attempt to sort it out at the time like to give a give an idea of you know, these were the artists that seemed important that year that you're not, and the albums that seemed important, or these were the ones that are popular. Here are interesting stories. Now, you're not going to get everything uh, on the radar that year because there's just so much music that happens all the time. Inevitably, editors, journalists, fans miss things that are happening. And when you look sure. back, you're able to uh, sort out. Uh, the good stuff that wasn't heard or the, the, you realize that some of the stuff that was acclaimed wasn't th- that great. And that's where sort of all music tries to step in, which is where uh, looking to, 
at things in in the past and trying to put them in context and like saying like uh, okay this was something that was popular and it sustained itself or this was a one-hit wonder or etc and you know since we continue to build the database at, at, as we're living through history we have an element of uh, you know first draft journalism uh, but we try to relay that same aesthetic to newer things that are coming out as we're writing new bios or doing doing novel yeah. reviews you the the, the the fact of the matter is you're going to get it wrong sometimes and that's fine but sure. because especially for us because we're a database we can be flexible we can edit text we can replace text we can do all sorts of things that help to get our original intent which is to be some sort of guide to uh everything that's out there and you know originally in the 90s through the 2000s that was very much a consumer guide sort of thing like because you're sorting out sure. different albums in the discography and you're also sorting through compilations and now as that falls by the wayside it's making sure that our biographies are very much um all-encompassing and accurate and it's because you know that's also the stuff that gets licensed to spotify uh, uh apple music etc right. because and that's also the first point of entry for a lot of people so i think that you know that just it's subtle editorial changes with with us and we we try to keep the album reviews going because you know there's value in that too but you know, a lot of places just don't publish album reviews these days too. It's a very, yeah, it's a very weird uh, state that we're living through right now. Yeah, I mean that that, that leads into my next question because I think it's also interesting when thinking about the future of the album. And you know, I obviously I, I say this very much in the shadow of the growing disappearance of greatest hits, greatest hits albums as well. But you know, as to whether this approach is even the best way like moving forward of like crit critically analyzing or archiving an artist or a band. And, you know, I think like one example, um, you know, that I, maybe it's already sort of at odds with is I think about something like dance hall music where yeah. in Jamaica, the music industry is very much dominated by the single and not the album, mm -hmm. you know? And I also know that, you know, some prominent music critics, as you might've read on Twitter yeah. have, uh, have, have noted that the album the album's diminishing importance, particularly for like some artists in pop music or hip hop, you know, and like the dominating of the streaming services and TikTok and on-demand listening and all that. Oh, sure. I mean, like you also get into for a long time mixtapes in hip hop, it, it, which are uh, right, right. unofficial albums, and you know, they're so they're they are kind of canon in a way, but they're not codified as official albums, and some they will sometimes not show up on Discogs or they'll not show up in a our database but that means they're still important to you know the evolution of an artist and i hope that in terms of our content uh we get that covered in the biography we might not get the right if this if, like because it's difficult to review mixtapes or singles just on a basis and i also don't know if the readerships are always there for single reviews i see a lot of publications that have tried it but i don't know if there's any traction to it um but I think in terms of an album uh, surviving, you know, it's currently still the best way for to focus an artist and an audience. You know, like it, it, it still, you know, it costs money to go into the studio. And if you're going to go into the studio to re record, 
one song, you might as well do five. You, you, but And then that diminishes somewhat with people doing it more at home. But even if you're trying to get somebody's attention, it's sometimes easier to have an EP or an LP. Like, okay, this is a collected right. set of songs. Because I see, like, with pop and country artists doing just a, a succession of uh, singles, sometimes it's just tiring as a listener myself, like saying like, well, why sure. am I paying attention to this? But it's, that's a different format than say dance hall or hip hop, which, you know, the listeners are expecting that to be part of a, maybe a greater mix. And, you know, but I still think that, you know, for, um, it's not just writers. I think audiences sort of like to have a focus of, sure, of an album sure. and that will, you know, we've heard the, that the albums disappearing for about 20 years now, ever since the de- debut of uh, the iTunes store. And uh, it hasn't disappeared because there's still a function for it. It's interesting because the album format itself is intrinsically tied to, you know, com- uh, physical constraints you know it was a commercial piece. it's not it's a commercial product designed to be sold and it for and, but it's the term sort of outgrown its lp origins and it now can be a bucket for anything from lps to cds to digital so yeah yeah i mean i guess though if, if there's anything we can kind of maybe zero in on in this discussion is that Maybe in some ways, and I'm curious what your opinion is about this, but maybe in some ways this sort of sanctification of the, you know, capital A album as this like encompassing mm-hmm. sort of like work of art, like that, you know, perhaps that's begin to sort of lose a little bit of weight. And like just even having the discussion about the future of the albums has kind of poked hole, holes in that sort yeah. of importance. Um, yeah, which is like, it was just interesting, particularly if we kind of tie it back to the greatest hits albums, because Mm-hmm. This sort of idea of like, you know, the capital A greatest hits album is kind of, or sorry, the capital A album as like this whole encompassing, you know, piece of art is also why greatest hits albums were sort of originally like derided. <laughs> and I just find it kind of like yeah. ironic now, you know, that that now like, you know, as you say, maybe the albums aren't disappearing, but maybe like viewing them that way is starting to sort of erode in a way. Wow. Yeah. I think that you're, you're onto a couple of really interesting points. It's because, and I think that rock uh, criticism and music geek culture uh, have romanticized the album over the years. And I'm definitely part of that. And I think that there's um, reasons for it because, you know, there, there was during the golden age of the album, you know, there were artists that were writing to the format, but the, the fact that there were some that did that, some artists did that and it gives rise to the idea that everybody did that or that the the LP itself right, right. was always a work of art when it really started out as, you know, it's a commercial product. And like even um, the the kings of album rock would were still making commercial product. They would either have to contractually yeah. deliver one or two a year or they, they knew how to uh you know sequence to make an album flow better but you know they're still making an album that's meant to be sold and uh the flip side of that is that uh, you know we see uh through streaming that uh, audiences gravitate towards one or two 
or three tracks from an album, but that likely was always the case. You can't really tell me that everybody that bought yeah. Thriller uh, listened to the whole thing through, or people that had Jagged Little Pill uh, on CD didn't just listen to Ironic and You Ought to Know. It's it, That's the way most yeah. audiences work. It's like a handful of people would treat the album as a whole. And, uh, and so we tend to romanticize it a little bit too much, I th- think, and not appreciate it what it was for like what, what it is for the, for the format and that includes greatest hits albums in a way like <laughs> because no definitely because yeah. if you're looking at it uh, as an album as an artifact uh you know that's uh very much an artifact of what the artist seemed to be like at the time or what the audiences spoke to at the t- time <laughs> and you know, and it also a greatest hits album functions like an album itself. Like it has, a, you know, 10, 12, 14 uh, songs that work together. And some greatest hits, you know, would also have new songs or things that weren't exactly hits, but become part of the canon because they were they were selected on that. And algorithms do that to an extent. But the the greatest hits really helped shape a narrative around an artist. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that. You know, as you kind of wrote so well in an article a few years ago for Pitchfork, you kind of mentioned this 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 idea of a shared experience, uh, and you know, and mm-hmm. that the actually really is reason to l- lament the sort of disappearance of the greatest hit, hit, hits album. And I, you know, and I agree with you. I think there is a sort of a divide between maybe what the critic. And how they're assessing or the narrative that they're building up around the, you know, capital A album and like, you know, someone, let's say like my mother who really just buys the album before the hits and thus will probably gravitate towards the greatest hits of an artist has one, you know, so I mean, can you just like maybe right. run through some of the things that, you know, we, we are losing in your opinion with the, like the disappearance of, of greatest hits albums? Well, um, I, I think that we are losing a, a couple of different things and one is the a shared vocabulary essentially that you, you you know that this is a it's a concrete item if you go to get the beach boys greatest hits or endless whether it's in the summer or whatever you know that everybody knows that these are the greatest hits essentially it's not something that is based uh just on streams or uh some somebody's playlist which might have idiosyncratic selections like this is like a shared thing of like and it also is an enduring thing because it's a record or cd that can be passed along and so you know it's a good basic intro or primer and it's Mm -hmm. also a very uh and in terms of introductions it can be a very good way of summarizing an artist's appeal that you can't quite get verse on the albums itself and uh i think it's you know it's the biggest selling compilation of all time but uh the eagles their greatest hits is an excellent Mm -hmm. excellent example of that because if you listen to those early Eagles albums, they're kind of slogs. They, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, that it's pleasant enough as sound. And sometimes there's a, there's something like James Dean or something that, that might be fun, but it, it's definitely not as good as the, the hits themselves. And, but so if you put the hits together, you have 
a better impression of what the attributes of the band was and why uh why people thought it was uh they were they were such a big act and then um and then that can sort of shape the narrative later like if you have the eagles greatest hits steve miller's greatest hits yeah i would say maybe even tom petty's greatest hits to a lesser extent but that becomes because they're enduring they're in people's car stereos at home they're on jukeboxes and they're heard in in stores you know that just sort of has like this connective fabric and uh yeah and i I think i want to put a pin in that it's funny that you mentioned the eagles because i actually was uh i was going to mention them in my next question and like i think that everything you're saying there's there's also sort of a rewriting of history as well And and if you look at that eagles greatest hits in going back to the sort of uh, uh, place, the playlistification of everything, or like you know, streaming on demand and the, spot, the way that Spotify really sort of sorts things out, you know, that like as you mentioned, that's one of the top, like it kind of, you know, the Eagles' greatest hits goes back and forth with Thriller. But if you want to find that greatest hits on Spotify, you have to scroll to the very, mm-hmm. very bottom of this of their artist page, and you're gonna pass by that. I'm sure you've seen it, but that that Spotify has on every single artist page now, which is the like this is yep. insert band, you know. And so it's kind of it's wild to me that like that this album, which as you said, really kind of crystallized and put into focus what this band was about, and is also one of the great like the biggest selling albums of all time, is like at the very bottom of their artist page and like really difficult to that's, find. That's true. Like I've just opened it up right now, and you so you see. The popular has songs that are on that, but they're, right. they're defaulting to the the album, album which yeah, yeah. Is, is arguable. And then you also have to go through um, like complete uh, box sets and or a double, <laughs> double disc, uh, very best of the Eagles, which has has it, its own attributes as well, but it's not as tight as their greatest. It's that's a really good point that it's that since Spotify is allowed to push, this is the Eagles. They're allowed, you know, and like to, and the bands also have some sort of input put at times to saying like, okay, you want to put your latest release up front or, but it does sort of change the feeling of it. I mean, you know, the greatest hits is there on Spotify, but it doesn't feel to have the same sort of, presence and also the algorithms you know show can show different things too because of the whole question of the pavements b-side harness your hopes uh winds up being among their most popular uh, songs uh through quirks of recommendations and you know that was a song that hardcore pavement fans knew and that was it but now it's becomes part of their like their their canon which i feel is a weird rewriting of history as well i mean to an extent you know the audiences have found it and liked it now but it uh, it's if you were going to put together a greatest pavement album which they did it would not even come close yeah it's like the algorithm is almost reshaping a sort of a sort of history uh or in, in in how it just sorts out <laughs> you know right. how spotify has like decided to delineate where certain things go like oh this is a compilation never mind that it's the greatest <laughs> selling album of all time <laughs> you exactly. know put it at the bottom yeah 
yeah. Well, no, that's a that's a and that's an an interesting side point is that for some bands, the greatest hits is part of the the proper discography, even though it's often treated as like a side note. But you know, something like the Eagles or even like uh, a Dylan greatest hits volume one or volume two, um, there's often like they were released at the time uh david bowie's changes is actually an excellent excellent yeah that's a good that one, yeah. because uh it was the biggest selling bowie album in the states and it uh, it was the one that sort of brought him to a pinnacle of popularity here here and yeah. uh you know let's dance happen several years later but you know it was a big deal in terms of the progression of his career and in it still sort of summarizes that first act of his career yeah. very well and it and changes bowie feels very different than the uh Ryko's cd uh, version that came out years later that also put in more hits and but it just gives a different portrait they're both valid but you know if you're going to eliminate uh, you know, or write the changes out of history, you're sort of missing a, a big part of, you know, his evolution. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great point. I, I, I kind of want to bring in also some newer greatest hits that have come out from, I guess, more recent bands. I'm thinking like the White Stripes and then also uh, Spoon last year. And so, you know, same thing applies. Like if you want to, if you go on the Spoon, you know, page on spotify you have to scroll to the very bottom to you know to to find that 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 singles or greatest hits like compilation that they put out and i guess my question is you know like why do you feel that you know they're putting a greatest hits album out in 2020 and, I, and I'll, I'll let you know my my opinion first and maybe you could riff off of that too sure. i i see it as everything we're kind of talking about in the sense that i feel that it's an example of an artist trying to sort of take back a little bit of creative control and kind of take control of their own narrative in a sense and like kind of make this statement around, you know, this is how we want to be viewed and this is what we want as an introduction, you know, in response to this sort of fractured, unintentional narrative formed by the algorithms that drive Spotify. But I'm, you know, I, I don't know if that's the case. I haven't like read interviews as, as their re- for their reasoning, but I'm just curious, like what your, you know, what your opinion is about, you know, why, why even put out a greatest hits album in 2020? It's uh, very similar to that, and I, I I don't think there's been any press with Jack White over the White Stripes, but I do remember Britt Daniel uh, around the time of the Spoon uh, album coming out so it was saying something along those lines, is that they wanted to present their own version of an introduction or summary, you know, that this is like, and they, yeah. they always, that he liked having greatest hits albums to just put on the turntable and, you know, have a good time and you and it goes into what we've been talking about like they uh the greatest hits um can have just a different feel than the proper albums you know spoon albums are i i would say are all worthwhile but you know if you um listen to the 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 spoon hits collection you know that's a different and worthy experience and i would say say the same thing with the white stripes uh you know since you know uh Jack White definitely has an affinity for retro traditional ways of doing things. I can see yeah, why yeah. he would uh, do the greatest hits, but um, you know, but the stripes uh, greatest hits is interesting because there's, it gets to be a, 
a lot of early stuff gets put on there and you, you also have a b-side like jolene that gets in there and yeah and it's right. not and it's not strictly chronological so it also gives a more of a portrait feeling instead of uh you know just a march through album to album and i think that actually you know both both approaches are valid i think this works really well for the white stripes you know it's a it's a bit of a long greatest hits you might have been better off with a 45 minutes and some yeah is it a 90 minutes yeah it's something yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) and you know which is which is great um and and it also i like that it deploys seven nation army at the end but you know, it, but that also explains something about how the artist sees themselves. And I think that they're both worthwhile. And I feel like there are other bands of the last 20, 30 years that could really, uh, you know, benefit from something like that. Like you can think of this, you know, Strokes could be a band that gets, you know, they've been around for a long time and people stop paying attention to albums at a certain point. But they, you know, they had good moments on the bad albums that could be reshaped into making it look uh, right yeah more more cohesive uh body of work than you might initially think yeah i think it's a safe bet to assume that the the strokes will will have a greatest hits album at some time i completely agree also i had no idea they had an album last year and i I actually (laughs) kind of feel bad about it and i kind of want to go listen to it it's a good album actually Uh, i like yeah i've heard that i've heard of good things i like the strokes (laughs) Um, so I guess like this last part, if you still got like another 10 minutes, I just kind of wanted to dive into just like actual, like kind of more critical approach to like uh, greatest hits albums. Uh, you know, so in writing about a greatest hits album, say for all music mm-hmm. or other places, I- I'm just yeah. curious about like h- how you deal with like critical objectivity. Like what, what makes a greatest sure. hits album <laughs> in your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, and I would also say that things uh, have evolved for me over the years where to and there are also a couple of different approaches you can look at it from a pure consumer perspective like this uh delivers the hit singles or this one misses the hit singles and you could and if it's for a long career maybe they've been on a couple of different albums uh labels you can say okay this misses uh things that were made for columbia but it has the rca whatever so i've definitely um gone to that before and i think that even with something like uh as lengthy as the great white stripes greatest hits which i did not write a review of anywhere you could tell the story about the emissions which can be can be interesting, but you can, you, you can also tend to maybe emphasize that a little bit too too much. So for if I was writing now, I think that I, it would be looking to, at what narrative the the compilation, the greatest hits, is attempting to tell about the artist, and like uh, whether like it, it does it summarize their strengths in an interesting way and. And that doesn't provide just a good listen because I think still with the greatest hits, you have a different expectation than an album itself. It's like, it's that in a way you still are expecting like nonstop entertainment to an extent. There, there, there may still be uh, emotional 
ballads and moving songs and maybe something that's a little disturbing that's there but it generally hits provide either entertainment or comfort because you know they're kind of become part of the fabric of your life and so if you know some bands may be able to deliver that a little bit more than you expect and some may not like you there could be i'm trying to think of a band that actually has a lot of hits and you would think that their greatest hits would be more fun than it actually is it might be something like I don't know. I don't matchbox 20 or something like that. <laughs> that, that you, you know, like that, yeah, yeah. that, that would be, uh, cause I do remember, uh, listening to their, their hits collection saying, and sort of saying like, Oh, I like some of their songs, but you know, like that's one where the length works against it because, because yeah, yeah. there, they have a lot of mid tempo ponderous element. Right. And so that, right. that's where, that's how I would go critically. It's like, but you know it's greatest hits are essentially some or best of albums are essentially summations and you and you should see if you know they whether the picture that they're painting whether it actually is accurate to what you as a critic think uh the uh, band's strengths or weaknesses are now you that's might interesting and that yeah yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that 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 kind of ties to a question that Sam wanted me to ask, which is, you know, is there a way to separate like a good greatest hits album from like a good band? Like, are you reviewing the band, or are you like reviewing the greatest hits as an album or like a as little, a compilation? I think a little bit of both. I mean, like yeah. uh, to an extent, uh, the album inherently is about a distillation of the band, right? Because right. because right. It, it's going to be the, the greatest hits theoretically have most of the better, better songs that may or may not be the case, but at least they're the well-known songs. So there's an extent of like, whether the, this band was successful at this kind of thing or some, something else, but still what my main objective is as an, as a critic is whether that album delivers, you know, an experience and so the the greatest hits you'll you'll definitely be touching upon the big picture elements of an artist but you really want to say whether it delivers a good listening experience or yeah for... yeah i was trying i was trying to think of, when, when he sent me in that question i was trying to think of a band who like i, I don't really particularly like like the, or band or think maybe they're not the strongest band but they, like have really good greatest hits and i guess that's probably just eagles you know <laughs> right. like i feel like i grew up yeah. on that album i don't know how but i feel like i know every word on that album but i couldn't tell you like you know much about their discography <laughs> right yeah. it's it's um and in a weird way the, the eagles are you listen to the greatest hits and you might think that there's more there then you go into the the albums itself and you realize that no there's not there's like it actually the main thing yeah and, and it's also funny that queen's a, another one that has a really great greatest hits and i think that queen's albums are more interesting but they that original like 1980 1981 greatest hit hits lp tends to you know suggest that they are they 
they there was a real forward motion that they knew exactly what they were doing but then you go listen to news of the world and jazz it's like whoa they're, they're all over the place <laughs> yeah 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 definitely, <laughs> that's yeah. part of their that's part of their appeal but that, that's in that's also a good reason to have a greatest hits is to you know make yourself look better yeah sam also mentioned to me actually in our last episode about how apparently like queen queen's greatest hits actually changed track listings depending on location very like, much what, so yeah which is also just like wild and i guess just a testament to the diversity of like their sound and that and them as a band um, well then you, you you get into it just briefly like there's a david bowie collection from about 2002 i think that has different track listings for every territory which was very easy to do in cd cd era but it would be different in australia japan us uk probably germany and it's just which was pretty maddening actually but oh yeah definitely definitely but it's sort sort of revealing yeah and i guess (laughs) kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier like i guess you know how would you be able to do that in you know the era of 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 streaming music, you know, and like, I, I guess maybe, you know, in some way the estate of Bowie could demand that the Spotify in Australia, like has this track listing versus like in the U S but it seems like pretty impossible to sort of have that. No, the whole, uh, whole intent of streaming, which went hand in hand with, uh, formalizing, a, a universal release date of Friday is to flatten everything to not to really yeah. have differences between territories. And I think that, and that even goes with no difference with the regions within a state, uh, the United States. And I, I'm personally think that's not great. I, I'm all for like the little quirks between even like Georgia and Brooklyn, Austin and, and uh, yeah. Los Angeles or whatever, uh, because it's telling and we all live, we live, we all live similar lives, but there, there's a difference. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of the flattening. Yeah, yeah, so. I know. I'm with. I'm there with you. Well, just, so just to wrap up, I got like a, a nice uh, softball uh, question to 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 toss at you, uh, but I think it, it adds a nice bow to our conversation. Uh, so, uh, do you have a favorite greatest hits album? Oh, that's a tough one. I think that my default will be uh, Chuck Berry's Great Twenty Eight, just because Chuck Berry's one of my my favorites, and I think that one does. Uh, a really great job of summarizing everything that he did well. That, would you that, would you consider that like a? I mean, is that like does that kind of veer into that territory of like a compilation? Because I'm I, I'm I'm assuming yeah. a lot of those were just singles. But, yeah. But if you're talking about like uh, concurrently released greatest hits, I think that yeah. um, you know I I am a fan of Changes Bowie. Um, Billy Joel's Greatest Hits 1 and 2 was a big one for me growing up, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, I wore that one out. And, the, you know, so, but from the, and uh, CCR's Chronicles. Uh, oh, I'm yeah, of course. Big, yeah. big fan, fan of that. And, but even, even so, it's like, I think no Greatest Hits j- does its job as well as the Eagles. Damn them all to hell. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's so true. It's so true. Well, I really appreciate you talking to me um, about this and taking time out um, on a Friday. Absolutely. Uh, 